Welcome to the Misty Bloom Book Club. Hey guys, it's Ada. How are you doing? I hope you're taking good care of yourself and doing well. In this episode, I will be reviewing What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Aneka Arima. Are you ready? Because I am. Let's go clubbing! This book is a short story collection, but first things first, before I launch into my review, I'm going to tell you about my beef with short story collections. I typically don't read them, and the reason I don't read short stories is because I don't feel like I get enough time with the characters, or even enough time to sink my teeth into the character stories before I'm being dragged off into another story. It feels like speed dating. (laughs) And for this reason, short story collections have always felt unsatisfying to me, so I usually avoid them. Something else I don't like about short stories is that usually, not always, But usually, the endings never give any resolution. So I'm speaking of a true resolution, not the resolution that I want. Let me explain. For example, I, just like most people, typically yearn for a happy ending to stories. But even where I don't get a happy ending, I want some sort of closure. So even where I don't get the happy ending that I want, I admire the alternative ending. I respect the alternative ending. I will think that it's brave of the author to choose the alternative ending. I may even concede that the alternative ending was the better ending. Personally, I find it gutless, weak, pathetic, and I don't see anything to be admired with a lack of resolution in storytelling. And short stories are often guilty of this. So there's my rant, and now that's entirely out of the way. But first, let's start with a teaser of the book. This is a short story collection of 12 stories, like I mentioned earlier. The stories tackle a variety of topics ranging from domestic abuse, untreated PTSD and its effects on a family, troubled teenagers, ghosts, domestic and sexual abuse. So this review is going to be a little bit different than the reviews of novels because this is a short story collection. So we're not following the same characters from beginning to end. We're not following the same narrative arc. The themes are changing from story to story and so forth. Okay, so. Here's what I loved about What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Ineka Arima. Fortunately, in What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky, most of the stories are well resolved. This does not mean happy endings. It just means there is closure. Most of the stories don't leave you intentionally hanging by the end. Secondly, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky is gorgeously written. The author's sentences are so economical, it's a thing of stunning beauty. Leslie Ineka Arima says the most with the least possible amount of words. I'll read from the first story called The Future Looks Good, and this is from page two. But before I read it, the context here is that a stepmother puts a boy out of his home. Got it? Okay, here we go. The boy is 15 and returns from the market to find his possessions in two plastic bags on the front doorstep. He doesn't even knock to find out why or to ask where he's supposed to go but squats with other unmothered boys in an abandoned half-built bungalow where his two best shirts are stolen and he learns to carry his money with him at all times. He begs, he sells scrap metal, he steals, and the third comes so easy to him it becomes his way out. He starts small, with picked pockets and goods snatched from poorly tended market stalls. He learns to pick locks, to hotwire cars, to finesse his sleight of hand. Guys, do you see how Leslie and Naka Arima very quickly describes how this boy is abandoned by his parents and is forced to become scrappy and street smart? It is so tightly done. 
there was not a spare extra word. For example, if you contrast this against Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens, there's a huge chunk of the novel Oliver Twist where Charles Dickens spends a lot of his prose talking about how the artful Dodger and Fagin teach Oliver how to become a pickpocket. A good, good chunk of Oliver Twist is spent on what Leslie Ineka Arima spends on a paragraph. Of course, I understand that there are differences. One is a novel and the other is a collection of short stories. And that in economizing your prose, you sacrifice other things like character development and developing a fuller story, for instance. But I still think my comparison between the two examples for the purposes of making my particular point about economy of words holds. Or check this out on page 24 in the third story titled Wild. But before I read the sentence, I'd like to set the stage. Here we have a mother who's at her wit's end with her badly behaved daughter and she has had enough. And so here goes the sentence. Enough had started with stupid teenage things that magnified under the halo of Chingara, my well-behaved cousin, made me a bad, bad girl. So here's why I think this sentence is pretty great and that the author's use of economy of words is so ridiculously good is because of how she introduces us to a new character, Chingara, a well-behaved cousin, and then uses just one word, halo, to fully establish and develop this character. Halo is suggestive of, as you know, an angelic, saintly person, and then when contrasted against the main character that this story is about, you know, the one whose mother has had enough, helps us understand more fully their personalities in so few words. Amazing. Or how about one more example on page 25, still on the same story. My mother was a small woman who carried her weight and her personality. Do you see how tight and powerful that sentence is? Basically, that short sentence tells us that the mother is a small-sized person with an outsized personality. These sentences in this book are so good and I feel like they gleam because they are scrubbed of anything unnecessary. No superfluous adjectives, no unnecessary adverbs. And let me tell you, applying restraint as a writer is an extremely difficult thing to do and this writer has honed this skill well. Something else I also loved about what it means when a man falls from the sky is that the stories are short and snappy, like a flash of electricity. The stories are short but emotionally complex and layered. They hold an explosive power like dynamite. In episode 2 of the Misty Bloom Book Club, I did mention a little bit about the observational skills that a writer must possess. And the reason it matters is because life is the ultimate inspiration for any writer. Now, in this book on page 61, in the story titled Light... There's a sentence I thought was just so profound, and I'll read it to you. This starts another argument between husband and wife. Mild at first, but then it peppers. And there's this thing that distance does, where it subtracts warmth and context and history, and each finds that they're arguing with a stranger. I'm not going to interpret the meaning of the sentence for you. All I'll say is that the sentence is stellar, because it does show off the author's observational skills how she deconstructs the anatomy of a marital argument. It's amazing. But what is most important here is the ability to not only observe, but to translate the moment and articulate it into seemingly effortless wisdom. So great job there, Leslie and Naka Arima. Also on episode two, um, you should probably go listen to it. Obviously, there's a lot of great stuff in there. But I talk about how metaphors are effective tools for great storytelling. And there's this line on page 61 in what it means when a man falls from the sky that reads, the girl holds a grudge as well as she holds water in her fist. 
a lesser author could have easily written, the girl was terrible at holding grudges, but that would have come off as commonplace and much less impactful. Also, this metaphor of a fistful of water, or lack thereof, conjured up an image that was effective in describing the girl's carefree temperament and also read as original. The economy of sentences is not just important for its own sake, but it also forces the reader to participate within the story, so it feels more immediate and really captures your attention and emotions. Check out this line from page 71 on the fifth story, titled Second Chances. After my mother died, I spent a few months in a place where they spooned food and medication into me. The reason I think this sentence is special is because it just very sparsely talks about being in this facility because obviously if you're being spooned food and medication, it's some sort of facility where a third party is doing these things to you, most likely a medical professional. But I think this is an excellent example of participating with the prose. So even though the sentence says enough, it doesn't say a lot. So as a reader, I'm forced here to fill in the blanks with, you know, the medical professional, with it being a facility, I'm forced to generate emotions associated with someone who needed to be in a facility because of the tragic passing of a parent, someone who needed to be spoon-fed because circumstances have left them unable to do it for themselves. Therefore, the tragedy feels heavier because sufficient little is said, which forces me to participate in the story by filling in the blanks with my own imagination and feelings about the situation. Okay, on to something else that I loved about this book. The sixth story, titled Windfalls, besides being crushing, is written in the second person. And by second person, I mean you. I've never been convinced that writing in the second person had any merit whatsoever. I've always been adamant against any writer ever exploring writing prose using the second person. I've never thought of it as a sustainable way of telling a complete story. But the story Windfalls and Leslie and Neka Arima have convinced me otherwise. However, I still have to say that in using the second person, you, I never got to know the character's names. And I think putting a name to someone helps you feel like you're connected in a way to that person. And without having a name of any of the characters, I felt a certain loss. But I also don't know if that was intentional by the writer. Finally, I'm going to end what I loved about what it means when a man falls from the sky by talking about my favorite story in the book titled, What is a Volcano? And I think I liked it because What is a Volcano is an original folktale. It's very multi-layered, has many hidden meanings, packed full of wisdom, imagination, profundity. And I think this is the one story where I felt like the author let herself go and relaxed on the page. And the best part, it does have a great resolution. (laughs) So those are the main elements of what I loved about what it means when a man falls from the sky. But before I tell you what I liked much less about this short story collection, here's a quick message from my sponsor. Don't go anywhere. This episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club is made possible by the support of my novel, Oibo, spelled O-Y-I-B-O. It is 1976 when prodigal daughter Songoli returns to her mother's home in a remote southeastern Nigerian village with a wailing toddler on her hip. Not long after, Songoli vanishes again, leaving the fair-skinned and dreadlocked child Adesua and unanswered questions behind. Oibo is the haunting chronicle of Adesua's troubled girlhood in the village where she's persecuted for her biracial dreadlocked appearance. And after a tragedy occurs, the novel falls Adesua's devastating coming of age in the bustling cities of Lagos and ultimately Brooklyn, New York. Reviewers have described Oibo as captivating, powerful, and heart-wrenching. Oibo is available on Amazon. 
Welcome back to the Misty Bloom Book Club. Thanks for staying with me. Without further ado, let's talk about what I like less about what it means when a man falls from the sky by Leslie Ineka Arima. So I'm going to pick on the third story titled Wild. The main character has a Lebanese friend named Layla, which I kind of thought in the manner of naming conventions was kind of lazy, really. This is like the 100,000 Arab female character in fiction, film, music named Layla. Come on. I also think it did a disservice to the character because Layla is such a go-to name that non-Arab artists tend to use in their art that it did a disservice to who Layla could be. Giving her such a common name made her feel basic, and since the short story format doesn't leave enough room for character development, it made Layla feel one-dimensional. Imagine the English equivalent of a character named Jane that you barely get to know. With little room for character development, you would subconsciously ascribe Jane with flat, one-note, basic girl-next-door characteristics. I think this is a good tip for new or aspiring writers, is to put a lot of thought into how you name your characters. You cannot pretend that when you see a person's name, you don't ascribe a set of traits or characteristics or make assumptions about that person, even without meeting them. There's a reason for naming Mother of Dragons Daenerys Targaryen versus Mary Ellen. Of course, no offense to any Mary Ellens out there. <laughs> okay. Moving on from the minor issue of Layla. Secondly, because of how much Leslie and Neka Arima's sentences shown, it really contrasted when other sentences weren't quite as good. Honestly, there were very few examples of not-so-great sentences, and I believe in a lesser author, these examples wouldn't matter at all. But seeing what Leslie and Neka Arima is capable of, the lesser sentences stuck out. For example, a sentence on page 61 reads... But the space between mother and daughter is widened to hold something cautious, an elephant of mistrust and awkwardness. I didn't care at all for this sentence. Elephants is metaphors for vastness and space is so overdone and overused and I was just disappointed to see it. I mean, I realize there are very few examples of things that exist in nature that are big and can be used to describe space and distance. But I also think that Leslie and Neka Arima didn't use elephant in a particularly original or fresh way. But honestly, it feels like I'm nitpicking because this is only one average sentence out of a million other incredible sentences. Shortly after this, a really beautiful sentence follows and it reads, She strings his virtues out like Christmas lights. How freaking magical and redeeming is that sentence? So thirdly, the writing is so polished. It feels like MFA and fiction writing type work. And for those who don't know what an MFA is, it is a master's in fine arts, basically an advanced degree for how to be a fiction writer. To me, this book appears to be the product of intense workshopping. When a man falls from the sky is very clean, refined. It's almost surgically precise, clinical. There's no frayed edges. There's no rawness, no feeling of letting loose on the page. It's been workshopped to perfection. For this reason, the book as a whole does not feel approachable. So it's kind of like when you polish silver and it's shiny and perfect, so you don't want to touch it, you don't want to leave fingerprints or scuff marks, you admire it from a distance. So in that vein, this book does not feel approachable. It left me with a very interesting mixed feeling. On one hand, I do think the stories have mass appeal. There's a mix of middle class and upper as well as working class characters. However, the surgically precise writing created a little bit of distance between writer and reader. So even when earlier I would say things like I found a story to be crushing or whatever, I still felt like the emotions that Leslie and Neka Arima's writing generated felt a little bit more cerebral than deeply heartfelt. Like the emotions didn't stay with me, they didn't last. But I also don't know if that's a factor of the short story format, where the reader doesn't get to linger with the characters enough in order to sympathize with them in a fuller, more complete way. 
You only get to meet short story characters in passing, and so your emotions are short-lived. So think about how certain characters become fixtures in your life. And I'll use an extreme example, Harry Potter. And the reason Harry Potter is so well-loved is because we've spent years knowing and empathizing with Harry Potter. With her short story, which is on the very opposite end of the spectrum from Harry Potter, we're spending very little time with the characters, so it's a challenge for the reader to feel invested in any meaningful way. In spite of that, though, I still think just the ability to elicit any type of emotion, whether cerebral or heartfelt from a reader in only 10 to 15 pages, is still pretty exceptional and very difficult to do. So big props to Leslie and Neka Arima. Okay, the story I liked the least was actually the title story, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky. It's a futuristic science fiction story that's also a deconstruction of grief. Grief as in sadness, sorrow, mourning. This story holds an interesting concept of grief eating. However, I didn't find it particularly original for a sci-fi futuristic type story because it's sort of a play off of the old Welsh custom of sin eating where a person would eat the sins of a newly deceased person or in other words, take on the sins of a recently deceased person. Look at up on google if you haven't heard of it it's pretty fascinating so it was kind of cool but i didn't connect to it um i'm not a huge consumer of sci-fi anyway so it totally makes sense why i didn't connect with this particular story so i definitely think other people who like sci-fi would enjoy this story the reason i bring up my indifference to this story is because it reminded me of how i felt with like the title track on a musician's album you go in wanting to love the title track of an album because the musician obviously does. Otherwise, they wouldn't name their entire album after the title track. And the title track is supposed to be this crowning glory of the entire album. Similarly, what it means when a man falls from the sky is, in my opinion, supposed to be the pinnacle story, you know? So when you don't connect with the title track or the title story in this case, it's kind of disappointing. The writing was good, but the story fell super flat for me. So there you go. Those are the parts of the book that I didn't like quite as much. As you can see, it's a spectacular book and the weaknesses I talked about are still pretty superior. <laughs> but um, anyway, I gotta wrap this up. So I want to do my fun guessing game of what I think Leslie Neka Arima is like in real life and close out with my final thoughts. But before I do... Just a quick reminder that you can support this podcast by becoming a member of the Misty Bloom Book Club. Membership perks include backstage access to my book list so you can read along with me in real time, receive a free signed copy of my novel, Oibo, access to my virtual quarterly book club meetings, access to bonus episodes, and so much more. If membership is not your thing, but you'd like to show some love to this podcast, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Go to www.mistybloom.com for more information. So here's what I think this author's personality may be like. I'm going to guess that Leslie Ineka Arima is a perfectionist. However, I would guess that she is perhaps not necessarily interested in wanting to be the best, but is more interested in giving the best that she's capable of. That's my first thing. The second is that I think she's one of those people that's been writing since she was a child and perhaps feels most comfortable expressing herself through writing. Like writing is her comfort zone, safe space, that kind of thing. If you know Leslie Ineka Arima, let me know if I'm right on target or completely missed the mark. <laughs> Anywho, final thoughts. I am so impressed with the economy and refinement of Leslie Ineka Arima's wordsmithing, but I also acknowledge that economy is well suited to the short story format, so I'd be up for checking out what she does with the longer form narrative like a novel, if she will retain her signature style or will approach a long form novel differently. I'm definitely curious. Let me know what you think of what it means when a man falls from the sky.
Thank you for hanging out with me on this episode of the Misty Bloom Book Club. Don't forget to like, share, leave a comment, and subscribe to find me on social media or to contact me for sponsorship opportunities. Or if you'd like to become a member of the Misty Bloom Book Club and enjoy all of those wonderful perks, go to www.mistybloom.com for all of my information. Be sure to check out my novel, Oibo, spelled O-I-I-B-O, on Amazon. Until next time, keep reading, stay lit, peace and love. Thank you.